Plum Creek Church, and we are a place where you matter. Our mission here is centered around change lives, changing lives. We believe this happens through three important relationships, intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. God has something he wants to say specifically to you wherever you are. Our hope is that you leave encouraged and closer to him than ever before. We'd love to connect with you online at plumcreek.church or on social media to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we have for you and your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, two easiest ways are through the Give tab on our website or via your mobile device by texting any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. It's a secure connection with simple instructions to get set up. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you'll enjoy this message. Plum Creek. My name's Gary. I'm one of the pastors here. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've been in this series on the book of James, and today is the final weekend. And you just need to know both Pastor Doug and I have really enjoyed uh, preparing and, and giving the messages. It is definitely, uh, God's been using them in our lives. It's been cool to hear all the feedback and comments from you guys and how God's uh, been using, in, using it in your lives as well. Well, like many of you, I've enjoyed a few family getaways this summer, hopefully have a few more to come. And one of the things that I like to do when I'm getting ready for a vacation or when I'm getting ready for really a, a trip of any kind is I use lists. I've created lists to kind of remember what to pack, remember what I'm supposed to do to shut down the, the house, you know, when, when we're going away, who's going to pick up the mail, who's going to, you know, deal with our garbage, all those kinds of things. So I've created a couple lists. I actually printed them off. This top one here is uh, my vacation list. I have one for summer and one for winter, and it's two pages long. And then this one here is actually three pages long. That's for my annual uh, fishing trip. And you guys may think that's a little weird, a little bit over the top, uh, maybe even OCD, and maybe it is, but it works for me. I'm a bit of a planner. I like to plan. But all of us make plans. You're sitting here right now because you had a plan. So congratulations, you made it happen, you're here, and I am glad that you're with us today. And you maybe never even thought about it that way, but that is exactly what you did. How many of you have plans after church? Just slip up your hand. Yeah, see, we're, we're all going somewhere, right? We're all, we're all moving on. Again, we don't always think about it that way, but we are always thinking ahead, making decisions based on what's next. We make vacation plans, financial plans, retirement plans, wedding plans, having children plans, moving plans, relationship plans, career plans, remodeling plans. If you're a school teacher, lesson plans. If you're in business, business plans, budget plans. We even make plans 
so that we can make plans, right? It is one of the most human things we do. Well, you can open up in James to uh, chapter 4. If you have your Bible, it'll be on the screens as well. Maybe uh, you you use your phone or another device. That's awesome. And we're going to look at what James, the half-brother of Jesus, is going to show us about planning because he's going to give us some incredibly practical insights to this human thing that we all do. And he's going to help us understand God's perspective on planning. And I just need you to know, I don't have this all figured out. And as we're working our way through this message, you just need to hear me say that. God has been speaking to me about some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you on this weekend. I know that I need to make some changes in my life too. Our main thought this weekend is simply this. God's plan is the best plan. God's plan is the best plan, and you can write that down if you're taking notes. And James is going to give us a couple of life truths, and when you see them, you're going to probably think, yeah, that makes sense. That's really just common sense, but if you're like me, you might also think, while I know that's true, I also know I don't always live that way. So here we go, James chapter 4, starting at verse 13. Now listen, you who say, in that little phrase, now listen, it's, it's almost like there's a mood change going on here in, in James's letter. It's like he wants to kind of shake us a little and, and say, come on now, pay attention, stop, stop pretending, listen up. It, it's like when your mom uses your middle name. Gary Allen, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. So life truth number one, my future is unknown. My future is unknown. And James is saying we all tend to talk about our plans and and share about our plans just like this guy in verse 13. As if we can make them happen. As if we're really in control. And, and I think as Americans, this is really just a personal, personal opinion, but I think as Americans, we may struggle with this more than, than other people around the world because we crave control. In fact, we'll even settle for the illusion of control. But all kinds of things can get in our way. When I was dating my wife, Amanda, and this was, this was really early on, we barely knew each other, I told her that I wanted to surprise her with, with, with a surprise date where she wouldn't know anything about what was going on. Now, from my perspective, this, this all made sense. All I had in mind was, was a dinner and a concert, and it was at a restaurant that I knew she liked, and it was a band that I knew she liked. So from my perspective, I thought, this is, this is really good planning. But from her perspective, Amanda doesn't like surprises. And like I said, this was real early on in our dating, so she didn't know me very well. She didn't, didn't know if she could you know, trust me to, to give her and, and you know, plan a date that, that she would really enjoy. And I just need to be honest with you, I didn't handle that very well. Truth is, I got a little pouty. I I was like, come on, let let me surprise you. But I don't like surprises. But 
but I, I really want you to enjoy this. I, wa I want to surprise you, but I don't like being surprised. But I want you to. Real mature there, right, Pastor? Well, thank God he still had a plan for us, and, and we stayed together, and now we've been married 12 years and counting. But you see, that little scenario teaches a very important principle. You may want to write this down. I can make plans, I just can't make them happen. I can make them, I just can't make them happen. And here in chapter 4, James is forcing us to look at one of the most basic and practical areas of our lives because he wants to get our attention so that we all recognize that it's our tendency to think and it's our tendency to believe that you and I are really in control. We want the future to be known, but only God knows the future. So life truth number one, my future is unknown. Number two, I'm fragile. I'm fragile. Look at verse 14 again. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. James is, is saying you don't even know if you're going to make it through today. And I know that's kind of a, a morbid thought, but we know hospitals around here are filled with people who had plans for today and tomorrow. Cemeteries have people in them that had plans for today and tomorrow and beyond. And I know some of you are experiencing the, the reality of this right now because some, something has just, you know, upset things in your life. Your life has been turned upside down by circumstances you did not see coming. We want control so badly. James goes on in verse 14, what is your life? He says, you are a mist. He says, he says what? Say it with me. You are a mist. A mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Kind of like that, that vapor just kind of disappearing. That's what James says our lives are like. Life is so uncertain, and I'll just speak for myself. I know I'm fragile. I know I'm feeble. I know I'm frail. I know I'm fading. I know I'm failing. And I know all this because I'm 50. I turned 50 last year. And I know you're all thinking, well, you don't look 50. I mean, that's what, that's what Amanda tells me all the, all the time. Doug tells me I do look 50, so he reminds me of that. But you just need to know when I turned 50, it was kind of hard because you know, when, when you're going through the, the, the decades, when you turn 50, you, you basically realize you're more than halfway done. Like, I do not plan on living to be 100. Someone once said, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. <laughs> you're right. Now, I don't think of myself as 50. I also don't think of myself as a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> but you see, my, 
my mind, in my mind, I'm like 30, 32. But my body tells me, man, if you're 32, something's wrong. Like, you hurt way too much. You, you can't even make it through the, the night with, you know, a solid night's sleep. The Rolling Stone saying, time is on my side. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Have you seen those guys lately? <laughs> Seriously, put up this picture. This is 54 years ago when they wrote that song, and this is what they look like today. With makeup. <laughs> See, that's what we believe when we're young. And we all believe it, right? Time is on our side. But time is not on any of our sides. And yet we think and, and we act like we're in control. And, and James says, no, your life, it, it's just a mist. It's just a vapor. And as hard and sobering as that is, to think about. We all know it's true. So my future is unknown. I'm fragile. But God has a plan for my life. And God's plan is the best plan. Now, is James really going after, you know, kind of attacking our human planning? Is, is he saying we shouldn't plan, that we should just kind of float through life and, and go with the flow? Of course not. Absolutely not. The, the scriptures are full of principles and, and verses that talk about planning. They say it's a good thing. It's a necessary thing. What James is identifying here is the exclusion of God in our planning. The exclusion of God. Because when we exclude God, we start believing we are God. And that is the epitome of arrogance. And we're never going to, you know, say that out loud. And, and we may not even think about it that way. But if we are living our lives as if God is not real, or if we are living our lives and not inviting him into every area, then we start believing the lie that we're really the ones who are in control. And guys, that is arrogance. That's what James meant when he said in verse 16, as it is, you boast. Say that with me. As it is, you boast. In your arrogant schemes and all such boasting, it's evil. You see, whenever we get these two life truths mixed up, when we start talking and start believing that we're the ones that are really in control, when we start thinking that we do know the future or, or that we are not fragile, when we begin to lie to ourselves in that way, James is saying that is exactly where Satan wants you. He wants you thinking you're invincible. And that deception will destroy us. And again, we, we don't necessarily do this actively or on purpose, but we start taking the most practical areas of our lives and we exclude God. And it's a major mistake because we start thinking and believing that we have more control over our future and over our lives than we really do. And it, it happens so easily. I know because I do it. It's so easy to do this. And James says, don't make that mistake. 
If I say to you the phrase, I am the greatest, who comes to mind? Say it again. Muhammad Ali, the great heavyweight boxer. And it all started with this famous moment back in 1964. Let's watch. Times I have told the clown what round he's going down, and this come ain't no different. He'll fall in age to prove that I'm great, and if he keeps talking jive, I'm going to cut it to fire. Raise your hand. How many remember Muhammad Ali like that? Yeah, man, as a kid, he was all over the television. Man, you, couldn't, you would see him on variety shows, sports shows, commercials. He, he was everywhere. Such a big, fun, confident, charismatic personality. And of all the arenas of life, Ali was in the sports arena. And within the sports arena, he was in the arena that we call boxing. And for a limited time, he was the champ. And he could talk it, and he would. And he could win, and he won. And he could boast, and he did. But it was all very limited. I am the greatest. Ali died two years ago at the age of 74. And for many of you here today, you never knew the Muhammad Ali we just watched. You knew a different Ali. We're going to just watch a few seconds of his life when he was honored at the 2013 Sugar Bowl. Let's look. For the coin toss, you mentioned Tim Tebow and Emmett Smith representing Florida. How about the representation for the Louisville Cardinals? You see, for many of you, that was the only Muhammad Ali you ever knew. One of the most recognizable athletes in sports history and absolutely no question that he achieved greatness in boxing. But in those few seconds, you can see the tragic damage of Parkinson's and the inescapable result of the aging process. And none of that surprises us, right? That is all in the realm of what is very normal in this life. Ali's greatness was for a limited amount of time. And it was fading and it was fragile. And James is reminding us it's that way for all of us. And we are all at risk, even if we don't understand it, even if we don't think it's what we're doing, we are all at risk in whatever endeavors we pursue at raising our, quote, fragile greatness over and above God's forever greatness. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, he's hitting hard with this one. And he is challenging us to understand that that kind of boasting is evil. So what do we do? 
If God's plan really is the best plan, as, as we move ahead, as, as we think ahead, as we make our plans, because as humans, that is what we do, what wisdom, what action, what practical advice does James, the brother of Jesus, offer to us? Well, I want us to, to, to write down three habits for planning that you and I can begin to put into practice in our lives, and we can start today. Three habits that James would say we have to cultivate in our hearts because, guys, this is where it all starts and this is the most important place. And these habits will help protect us from raising anything above God's forever greatness. So number one, pray through my planning. Pray through my planning. God is not anti-planning. Over and over again, when, when Jesus, James' brother, was on this earth and, and was asked what he was doing, he would say things like, I have come to do the will of my Father. I am not here to do what I want to do. I am here to do what my Father wants me to do. And, and we know that Jesus would frequently pull away to pray. Last weekend, Pastor Doug talked about the importance of prayer and, and the priority that prayer needs to have in our lives. But Jesus would frequently pull away to pray so that he could be alone with his Father, so that he could hear his Father's will. And I know we're not Jesus, but guys, that is exactly why we're here too, to hear and to do our Father's will. So in verse 15, James says, instead, 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 instead of saying today or tom tomorrow, we're, we're going to do this or that, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So go ahead, plan. It's, it's what we do. Just make sure that you're including God and his will at the front end of your planning. You may want to write that down. Make sure you're including God at the front end. We all know what happens when, when we don't, right? And, and the pain and the confusion when, when we start heading down a path and, and we haven't included God at all. That phrase, if it is the Lord's will, it needs to reflect our attitude toward life. It means surrendering every part of our lives to the one true God who is entitled to be Lord of all. And it includes the big stuff. It includes the little stuff. It includes everything in between. God wants to be involved in every detail of our lives. Now, what James isn't saying is, is just to kind of tack on the phrase, Lord willing, you know, at, at the end of your plans. You know, like, well, I'm planning to start a business, Lord willing. Or students, when, when school starts and, and your parents say to you, hey, make sure you, you know, get your homework done, and you'll be like, yep, I will, Lord willing. No, he's not talking about that. And... He's not talking about you and I getting all of our plans ready and then presenting them to him and say, hey, Lord, would you please now bless what I've put together? Guilty. Like I said, I'm a planner. I do that kind of thing all the time. But that is not praying through your planning. 
So the first habit is to pray through it. The second habit is obey God's leading. Obey God's leading. James says in verse 17, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Father knows best. He loves us. He is in control. He knows the future, and he is not fragile. And he has very clear standards about how we're to handle our marriages, our families, how we're to handle our friendships. He has standards of how we're to date and how we're to handle our finances, our careers, the way that we run our companies, the way that we treat our employees or our coworkers. God has standards about how we handle school activities and our hobbies. And, and basically, God has standards for every area of our lives. And too often, when we're making plans, we don't even talk to him about them. We talk to others, right? We default to, you know, talking to our friends or to our spouse. Maybe we'll talk to a coworker or a boss. We'll talk to advisors. Many times, we're just talking to ourselves about, about our stuff. But we have access to the creator of the universe who has given us his word, the Bible. And we can read it. God's word. His words. We can read it. And now we have devices that we can bring in along with us where, wherever we want to go, and we can set up reminders to make sure that we remember to read. We can sign up for, for you know, text services and email services that send us devotionals and send us verses of the day. We have the easiest access to the Word of God of any generation ever. And that's why Pastor Doug says all the time that each of us needs to spend alone time with God. We need to break away so that we can quiet our minds, you know, quiet our hearts, open up his word, read, and then let him speak to us. And when we know what God wants for each of us, we need to do it. And he will lead us into his plans for us step by step by step. So guys, let's do this. Let's, let's stack hands and, and commit to doing this together. I, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it is understandable, isn't it? It's doable. So let's pray through our planning, obey God's leading, and then number three, boast only about God. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 31, Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. You know, we're only a week away from Broncos training camp. It's not too, not too early to talk about the Broncos, is it? I didn't think so. I am so excited for your, your new quarterback, Case Keenum. So many of you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, and, and last year as a Viking, Keenum had the best season of his NFL career, and I did not want to see him leave Minnesota, but I'm glad you guys got him because now he can be our quarterback. <laughs> and if you followed any of his story, you know he is a good dude. He's kind of been a you know, seen as a backup quarterback his entire career, but, but he works hard, he's a great competitor, he's a great leader, 
and he loves Jesus, and he's humble. And if you follow the NFL, and especially because he's a Bronco now, that you'll probably know that Case will forever be linked to an historical NFL moment called the Minneapolis Miracle. It just happened a few months ago. But what was so cool to see was that when Case was experiencing the biggest moment of his career, when the spotlight was on, he didn't call attention to himself. Instead, let's just watch. Apologies to any Saints fans in the room. <laughs> the third best moment of my life. How many athletes in that position would say that? But you see, when it comes down to this mist, this vapor that we call our lives, you and I are either going to spend our lives boasting about ourselves and our plans and, and what we've done and what we've been able to accomplish, or we're going to boast about God and his plans and all that he's done for us. James says in verse 6, those are our only two options, that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And so we're either going to boast in self where we're proud of who we are and, and what we've done and we'll kind of puff ourselves up and, and because of that we will deny God and what he says and that will lead to us rejecting his offer of salvation and we'll experience separation from him forever. And many people choose to live that way or we will boast in God we'll humble ourselves before him and see every benefit we have as a blessing from him and we'll believe what he says and we will receive his offer of salvation and we'll experience relationships with him forever. It's our choice. And if the Spirit of God makes his truth known to you, you can move from being there to being over here. But it's our choice. Paul says in Ephesians 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Say it with me. It's the what? It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Nobody boasts about their own goodness or righteousness or abilities or accomplishment, accomplishments because we know that that stuff doesn't save us. That stuff doesn't define us. 
doesn't make us who we are. When we experience God's grace, we recognize that all we have comes from him. And that's what defines us. So as this series on the book of James comes to an end, how will you choose to live your life? I know what James would tell you. I know what Pastor Doug would tell you and what I would tell you. And I know what so many of you already know. God's plan is the best plan. Would you guys pray with me? And so, Heavenly Father, as we wrap up this series, once again, thank you for James's challenge to look inside, to look at our hearts, because what's going on there is what really matters. And Father, this entire book has been about how we're supposed to live as, as your children. It, it's not optional. So please change our hearts that we would take your word seriously and live our lives for you. Father, we know we don't control the future. God, we know we are so very fragile. But you love us. And you have an incredible plan for our lives. Maybe you're here today and, and you know as you've been hearing these verses from, from James, you know that you need to start including God at the front end of your planning. You know that you've been doing it way too much on your own. It might even mean changing some plans that are in process right now because you know that you didn't ask God about them. You just need to know it is never too late. You can just submit them to God, pray through them, listen for his voice, and then have the courage to do what he's telling you to do. And if that's you today, if, if you're saying, God, I want to do it your way, I want to make sure that I've included your will into my plans, as a, as a symbol of that commitment, as a symbol of you saying, yes, God, that's what I want, would you just slip up your hand for a moment? Just hold it up for a moment. Yeah, I see those. I'm right there with you. You can put them back down. Maybe you're here today and you know that you have never said yes to God's offer of salvation. When those two columns of boasting in self, boasting in God were on the screen, maybe God was, was making it very clear, I have never done that. But today you want to. Today you want to move from boasting about self to boasting about him. You want to move from separation to relationship. And again, with heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you today, for the very first time, you want to make that decision, would you just hold up your hand? I'll start over here on my right, your left. Okay, I see that. You can put them down right here in the middle. Anyone? Hold up your hand. Okay, over here on my left, your right. Slip up your hand. Okay, I see those. You can put them down. And I just want to lead you guys in a, in a simple prayer of faith. And what's most important is what 
God is doing in your heart and what's going on in your heart. So the words don't really matter, but I'm just going to read this prayer and you can just kind of repeat it after me as a prayer of faith to God and just say this, God, I am a sinner. Today, I humbly admit I need you. I want to start living your way. I want a relationship with you. I believe Jesus died for my sin and was raised back to life for me. And I receive his grace and forgiveness. Father, thank you that your plans really are best. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.